original King Kong and then somehow like got onto the Japanese King Kong movies, King Kong Escapes and King Kong vs. Godzilla. And then I've kind of worked my way through a bunch of the Godzilla films. And I think next I'm probably going to do a rewatch of the 90s Gamera movies that came out on the Arrow box set. Um, I don't know what I'll do after that. Maybe I'll be sick of giant monsters by, <laughs> by then. But did you catch... Been... Uh, Dave Eves and I did a, a kaiju episode uh, yeah, a yeah. couple months ago. I, uh, I heard that. Uh, I think around the time that the the new King Kong vs. Godzilla movie came out, right? It was right about that time, yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, I love it. So, I, I, <laughs> And what's funny is now I have a monster cat, and he. Um, you've probably seen him on my, my social media, but the thing is he will... Um, when he fights another cat, they stand up like uh, on their, you know, upright, and every time it's like it's Godzilla against a <laughs> random monster. Well, well, that's all I can think. Of. Like especially, um, the, the, like the design of the new American Godzilla. I feel like not so much the look, but like the way he kind of moves and sits upright with those big thighs always makes me think of a cat standing up. <laughs> or, I, might, I don't know what it is. Might be where they got it. <laughs> Maybe I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking for you know, how to animate something like that. But Yeah. Uh, well, okay, it's great to have you back. Uh, so I think we were talking before the show, and we think the last time, it was definitely pre-COVID, uh, but, but the last time we had you on, I think you talked about Story of a th- Three-Day Pass. So um, great, good timing to have you back on. Um, it's, yeah, th- th- thank you for having me back on. This has been something I've been kind of quietly hoping for for a very very long time oh, so. <laughs> you shouldn't have been quiet about it so I've, I've actually been thinking about you as well and uh um i'm glad to glad to have you back thrilled to have you back actually um thank and you so martin um uh, i mean i think most people longtime fans of the show know you and your projects uh, you know you're a filmmaker you've you've done some cut some videos and, but you're kind of a jack of all trades in the media world um can i just ask what you've been up to lately uh, sure. I guess lately I've been doing lots of writing work. Um, I have a new article that's close to being finished. I think it's going to come out through the Pink Smoke website that's going to be talking a little bit about the films Bell and Mike Lee's Mr. Turner and sort of get into art and history and representation and things like that. Nice. Uh, my my book, Mayan on Grata, an apocalyptic commentary, should be on Amazon <laughs> probably sometime later this year, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm not sure the exact date yet, but that's been in the works, and it has illustrations by Patrick Horvath, and wow. that should be something for people to look forward to. But uh, uh, yes, <laughs> I look forward to it already. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, Thank you. And I love Mr. Turner. Yeah, I, I, I've kind of yeah. gotten tired of uh, biopics just, just generally, and but of course I trust Mike Lee. Um, yeah. And I, I was even reluctant to watch that one. It's like okay, it's a story of an artist again, but uh, but yeah, he he added something, and yeah, the, the aesthetics are. Are very special. I think he captured the the artistry of the um, his subject in the, in the film language as well. So mm-hmm. l- look forward to that um, that article and um, and let, I guess let's dive in if, if that's okay. Sure, we have absolutely. A, we have a huge show. <laughs> I, yes, I, I just can't believe all the stuff that has uh, come out lately. So um, a couple of meaty topics I think we're going to dig into. But mm-hmm. um, first off, we'll start with the September twenty twenty one announcements uh, and. Yeah, go from there. So we have uh, an, the only upgrade of the th- month, I believe, is Neil Jordan's Mona Lisa uh, with Bob Hoskins. Uh, it's spy number 107, so it's an old one, going back a ways. Uh, glad they got it back. I actually have the, um, I believe it's an Arrow uh, it's yeah. combo with a yeah. long Good Friday. Friday. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, happy, happy is a surprising upgrade. I, I guess this is not what I expect, but it's a very atmospheric, uh, you know, kind of modern noirish slash romance. Uh, it's interesting. Have, have you seen it? Yeah, I um, actually did a podcast on Neil Jordan's Seaside trilogy, which has Mondelisa, uh, The Miracle, and uh, The Crying Game with the gentleman from the pink smoke uh, i guess a couple of years ago now but that's maybe my favorite neil jordan film on lisa it's i don't definitely one of bob hoskins best performances i think and like you said great kind of modern noir um i also looking at the um cover art for the new edition i'm, I'm really in love with this <laughs> painting yeah. that they have yeah. for it I, I think it's kind of a perfect sort of moody book cover style kind of fits piece the of film. artwork for it yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know who the who did the artwork. Actually, I look, uh, Alice uh, X Zhang is okay. the name. Yeah, nice illustration, and uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a down. I wouldn't say a downer of a film, but it, it just kind of is subdued, and I like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's like very a, moody, and yeah, uh, yeah, it's like a chill noir, um, but moody chill noir. Um, but yeah, excited about it. It looks like for the most part they brought over. Well, they brought over the old commentary. But there's a, a new uh, conversation with Neil Jordan, and that's I didn't hear that episode. That's awesome that you did that with uh, Pink Smoke folks. Um, he's a great filmmaker. Um, but also uh, actor, actor Kathy Tyson, who played uh, Simone. And um, there's a an old well, there's an interview from 2015, which has has to be from the Arrow or or just some other random interview uh, with um, the screenwriter and producer. And then uh, Jordan, Neil Jordan, and Bob Hoskins at Cannes. Um, and yeah, I agree. Bob Hoskins has you know, had quite an interesting career, but I think this was his high point. Uh, <laughs> great noir. So, uh, have you been buying Criterion's lately, or? Yeah, I I downsized my film collection a lot, so I've been trying to be more selective about what I add to it at this point, and trying to make sure that. Uh, I have a nice clean shelf with no no double stacked rows or no movies sitting on top of other movies and things like that. But this might be the first month in a long time where I actually get everything in the lineup. It's a really exciting month. Um, I think my most recent pickup was the upgrade for the Human Condition trilogy. Where okay, that was sort yeah. of an easy, you know, you can swap out the DVD and add the Blu-ray. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been... I know, there's still Criterion films that I'm I'm definitely looking forward to getting. Like I think the mirror, Tarkovsky's uh, mm -hmm. mirror is the next one that uh, I have my eyes set on, and Deep Cover coming up. I'm also excited for, but uh, this month I, I think they really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and 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 so getting to the next one, uh, Love and Basketball. Uh, I don't know about you. I, I, sounds like you've probably seen all of these, right? Um, th well, there's one I haven't seen, but we'll okay. we'll get to it. Love and Basketball, I I like quite a bit actually. I think it's a really fantastic film, aside from maybe a glaringly bad performance by Tyra Banks but um, <laughs> I, I I knew Saint Olathe mostly from her genre films like yeah. Blade of course and Alien vs. Predator but Love and Basketball it's it's such a great kind of star making performance I always think um, of the very beginning there's sort of a flashback to when the main characters were kids and it mm -hmm. shows the girl getting a scar on her cheek and then it cuts to the present and you have this close-up on the scar that Santa Lathan really has on her on her chin and then it zooms out and you see her face and it's like you know one of those love at first sight moments for both the actress mm -hmm. and also the character <laughs> uh, I, I think it's a fantastic film and it's exciting to see that it's getting 
this release. I think it might have been DVD only before. There was no criterion for it, but I, I think it wasn't a film that was available on Blu-ray until now. So that's yeah, yeah, great in general. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's very welcome. I haven't I watched this uh, I think in theaters or, or or maybe home video shortly thereafter, and uh, and I fell in love with this movie. Uh, I, I don't remember the Tyra Banks um, <laughs> performance. I, I probably did not know who Tyra Banks was back then. Uh, I, do, I do remember um, Omar Epps was in this, and I can't remember if this was before Higher Learning or after. Um, I think it was might have been before, but I think this is a better story. Uh, not that I those are two comparison <laughs> points, yeah, but uh, uh, but yeah, and also it just so happens that I love basketball, and uh, we're right now we're in the NBA playoffs are happening, and uh, your your Toronto Raptors won a couple years ago. That was pretty special. But um, but yeah, I think this is a, just a great character piece, and um, mm-hmm. and I I think it fits very well with Criterion. Of course, as you remember the New York Times article, yeah, it's clear yeah. that they're trying to incorporate black films into the collection, which I think is great. I mean, if if it's the pretext to get in filmmakers like Bill Duke and films like Love and Basketball and yep. another filmmaker we're going to be talking about soon, I I'm totally cool with that. That's so. cool. And, you know, I've been thinking about <laughs> Put it. Put the and, pressure on, yeah. And I, I think there's like a better, to use another sports analogy, there's a better batting average for me with uh, black films. Um, I, I just tend to, tend to like them. Um, so, and this is one of them, although I did not like higher learning. I'll get that out of the way. I mean, I, th- I thought it had good intentions, but it was a little preachy um, and a little on, on the nose. But, um, but maybe one day I'll revisit it. So we have, um, yeah, it's a 4K re- restoration. So... Uh, we have an audio commentary from the director, Prince Blythewood, and also from uh, Sane Lathan. Is that, is that right? I, I believe so. so Sane uh, Lathan, yeah. Yeah, that m- must be from the DVD, I'm guessing. Um, uh, probably, yeah, I think if it's from 2000, that's probably the original DVD. Yeah. And there's a new making of a uh, documentary called Playing for Your Heart, good title, and it has pretty much every everybody that that was involved, uh, including a basketball advisor. That's that's a <laughs> <laughs> that gets me exciting. Uh, then a new feature about the editing, uh, and I, I don't remember the editing that, that well. Um, maybe I, it was before I was really looking for those things in film. Um, and uh, and then more basketball. There's a new conversation uh, with the director and also with uh, WNBA player uh, Cheryl Swoops. And, um, yeah, a lot of stuff. Then there's short films by the director. That I'm really excited for because I haven't seen any of these shorts and I always like whenever Criterion throws on short films by the filmmaker. Sometimes that's as big of a deal as the the main feature. Like, I think Fish Tank, there's a bunch of short films by Andrea Arnold on that set. And I I think, like, Wasp, you know, it's one of my favorite things that she's done, actually. So it's exciting whenever they add these little extras. I love Wasp. Uh, I just finished yeah. watching Streetwise Tiny, and uh, and they have both well, their documentary shorts, but um, uh, th- those were interesting as well. Although sometimes with short films, I, I feel weird like rating them just because sometimes either film school projects or um, mm-hmm. just looking at what the director's done. She's working on The Woman King right now. Um, oh, she did Beyond the Lights and Secret Life of Bees, so she's been doing she's been working on some good stuff. Some TV too. So um, she had the Netflix film that I think came out kind of recently, where it was sort of a Highlander premise with Charlize Theron action movie. Uh, I guess. Oh, that's the Old Guard. They they actually mentioned that in the text for the okay. release. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have not seen that. <laughs> um, and then the, here's one. The next one I haven't seen is, uh, but I I know the director is very acclaimed. It's his first time in the collection. Uh, Johnny Toe, Throwdown. And uh, the only film of his I've seen is probably, you know, the same for a lot of people is Drug War, which I think did pretty well here in America. Um, I imagine the same was the case in Canada. And I think I missed the boat on that one. I think I need to give that one another shot. I liked it, but I didn't get, um, you know, I didn't get the acclaim. Um, are, are you a Johnny Toe fan? Yeah, it, it was weird. Just the other day, I think like the day before they announced this, I was watching the heroic trio <laughs> just for fun, which has uh, Maggie Chung and Michelle Yeoh and it's kind of a superhero action type movie, but Election, it's uh, that's a really great film that he also made. Uh, I've never seen Throwdown, though, so this might be a blind buy for me. Yeah, it seems like a good one. So it's 2004, and I don't, I don't know exactly when his when he kind of made a name for himself. Uh, it seems like Drug War was probably his high point, but um, that was 2012. Uh, but yeah, I've seen a lot of excitement online for him. I, I think he's really just one of those international auteurs that uh that people tend to adore and uh probably well overdue for a criterion so um thrilled that he's finally joining um so i guess if we haven't seen it not as much to say about it but um really looking forward to it uh we have so we have an older interview from 2004 that would be interesting to hear hear his perspective back then and some new interviews with uh with a co-screenwriter composer and we also get David Bordwell and Caroline Gould. Or I believe that's how you say her name. And we have a making of documentary, and that's about it. So, um, so yeah, Johnny Toe, what, any thoughts? Anything else that might work for the collection? Um, election, maybe? I, election, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that shows up at some point. But, uh, yeah, Throwdown, they had like a little video clip on the Criterion page and some stills, and it looks like there's martial arts and i think it kind of compared it to um senshiro sugata which um, you know if it's anything like that that should be exciting yeah yeah it seems like he he kind of works in action with the art and it seems like he has a um a passion for the 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 masters you know Mm -hmm. so so especially um kurosawa although he's um i believe he's from china or hong kong uh, I believe it's, yeah, it's Hong Kong. Here it says here in the description. So, uh, I, I like seeing more um, Chinese films, and I'm planning to see there's going to be a uh, another one. I'm going to talk about a little later, or another um, collection of films. So, um, so yeah, looking forward to that one. I the cover is really interesting. Um, it's, in fact, I, this is a really good cover month. I think um, having not seen the film, I don't really know what what it says because it's very uh, pinkish, purplish. Um, kind of has that neon vibe, but <laughs> it, it sort of makes me think of the look of um, Only God Forgives or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought of that very movie, yeah. Um, but yeah, and and then you have uh, the, probably the lead actor is um, there on the floor. So yeah, can't wait. A um, little bit of art, uh, and uh, I guess there's there some martial arts in here as well, right? Uh, it looks looks to be the case. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, excited for that one, and now we come to the big one. Uh, <laughs> so the the one that I think most of us are very excited for, and that is Melvin Van Peebles' four films. Uh, so I'll just hand it over to you, Martin. 
What, what was your reaction when you saw this? This, this was actually a pre-announcement, huh? which was nice. <laughs> I, I think my reaction was, how fast can I pre-order this? <laughs> but Melvin uh, <laughs> uh, uh, M. Peoples is one of my favorite filmmakers, especially his film, Story with Three Day Pass, which I think is a seminal film that not a lot of people have seen, but is still important and impactful. And I've talked about it on the podcast in the past, so it's exciting to see that's finally getting a proper release because the uh uh the the other dvd release was a little bit dated and it kind of had this history of almost coming out at various points i know when Mm -hmm. um vinegar syndrome when they had the etiquette pictures label it was on the roster to come out through that and at one point they did sweet sweet back's badass song but um it's a really amazing collection of films that they're releasing these are sort of his most recognized movies and it's interesting too i was looking just how each one falls into a very different place in film or entertainment, a different kind of ecosystem that they were made in. You have uh, French New Wave, you have mm-hmm. the Hollywood studio system, you have independent American cinema in the early 70s, you have Broadway <laughs> musical. <laughs> also, you know, so somebody who's worked in all these different arenas and I think done worthwhile work in all of them. And um, I, the special features look phenomenal too for this set. One of the features is uh, a whole feature film the movie badass uh, directed by Sam yeah. mario van peoples which i think not a lot of people have mentioned that that's going to be in the set but that that alone is a fantastic special feature because it's yeah it's mario van peoples um you know who's a notable filmmaker in his own right making a film about his father's making of sweet sweetback's badass song and it's interesting just to see mm-hmm. the perspective of the father through his son and i mean they're very different filmmakers in a lot of ways but it's it's like a perfect companion film for sweet sweetback's badass song uh, they have i don't think they said what the short films that'll that will be included uh, will be by melvin and my peoples but I, I think that should be interesting because um it might have his trolley car short film um then he made in america before he went off to europe but uh, i'm curious what those will be because it's not listed another feature length special feature that's included is uh how to eat your watermelon in white company and enjoy it which is a documentary about melvin van people's life and kind of gets into his period writing in europe and all his various (laughs) picaresque uh adventures i guess as a creative force and i don't it's just such a phenomenal looking set and um i i think people are going to be blown away by these films i've talked about them sort of here and there i've i've actually sent emails to criterion um i i sort of get the feeling that nobody really reads the uh <laughs> the suggestions section that you can apply right uh, yeah emails to or send emails to but they, i've definitely mentioned story with three-day pass and kind of hoped that something exactly like this might come along so this is sort of a dream come true and i've talked about story of a three-day pass i think on other podcasts over the years i've talked about watermelon man on the we cut heads podcast as well um so I'm, so you made you made this happen martin <laughs> Take I, 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 I as much as i would like to i've just been uh I, i've just been a vocal fan for for mm-hmm. a while i remember even like on letterboxd at first there was no listing for story of a three day pass. So I had to submit the letterboxed page for it. So I, I feel like I've been, you know, a, 
a champion for that film in particular and Melvin Van Peebles' career in general for a long time. And I've always been kind of fascinated with his work in music. If you've mm-hmm. listened to any of his albums, like the most recent one, The Last Transmission, I think is really wild, especially, or Brer Soul uh, is sort of a really fascinating piece of music work um, or his writing. I, I think like, uh, I don't know if they've included any of his writing, but some of his novels or books like... Um, it's um, just a fantastic piece of writing and uh, very poetic and he's such an interesting distinct creative mm-hmm. voice um, you know I always say like American cinema never really had its own Jean-Luc Godard but it had Melvin Van Peebles that's yep. kind of <laughs> the, the equivalent I think in some ways so it, it should be exciting to see people discovering these films for the first time through this set yeah, I don't, I don't. I had not heard of uh, Story of a Three Day Pass until you talked about it, and I was immediately intrigued. I mean, you really did champion it, and I, I re- really think I, I would give yourself some credit. I think you probably did have a hand in this. <laughs> just going <laughs> talking on various podcasts. Um, I just I just bought Watermelon Man, so I'll take some partial credit. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I, that was an indicator, I believe, or another uh, overseas yeah. label. Um, but for me, I. I I, so I have no, only seen uh, uh, Sweet Sweet Back, and I think that is just a treasure of a movie. I've also seen Badass, and I believe there was another documentary about the about uh, Sweet Back. I, I believe so. There's another one included here. Um, yeah, I don't know if feature it's it maybe, but the same one I saw. But yeah, it's. I really think that just the first off the risk he took with making mm-hmm. um, Sweet Back, uh, and and the way it. it found an audience uh and it's really a strange film if you think about it you know it's it's kind yeah. of it's artistic <laughs> well, I think it's, but it's exploitative it's interesting a that bit. um i mean that's the film that a lot of people credit as kicking off the whole black exploitation yep. trend in cinema and i always think like it's it's funny that a lot of people their takeaway was like the exploitation part and not the like angry polemic art film part but <laughs> you know you look at the editing style and it's you can tell he's coming right out of the French New Wave background, but you know, 100%. like they said, he had that American perspective. I think in the documentary, How to Eat Your Watermelon in White Company and Also Enjoy It, um, you know, they said like one thing that made his writing really dist- distinct in France is he had this outsider view. And I, I think they said uh, like, you know, it was like somebody writing about France uh, with the perspective of a Martian. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the way he kind of reflected that back. And it, it's interesting to see that kind of confluence of influences. Um, mm-hmm that you don't really have with many other filmmakers you know it's it's pulling so many things together and um, i i think it's fascinating and exciting so sweet sweet back's badass song that's probably his best known film but the the whole set's really really something (laughs) yeah he's just a a true uh, renaissance artist he's 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 a great man and yeah, when I saw the the email, I was just uh, to the moon. I, I also immediately pre-ordered it, and then I canceled and reordered it because I, <laughs> it's coming out the same day as the next title we um we will we'll talk about. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I can't gush enough about him. I mean, he really popularized French New Wave, which, as you know, Godard is not always uh, too too accessible uh, to uh, to American audiences, um, or at least mainstream art, artists audiences. And yeah, it's stacked. Um, I, I love these the covers and each little cover, um, you know, for each film, they uh, they they kind of have the same format, but uh, uh, diff- different, you know, either illustration. I think one or two of them are photos, or maybe stills yeah. from the, the 
film. It's um, like uh, photographs that have been colored over or yeah, had like yeah. graphics. Uh, it kind of looks like it's going to be those sort of cardboard sleeves that uh, you have maybe with the um, tattoo set and like that kind of format yeah, yeah. looks to me. And it has a big book book as well. And it doesn't look mm-hmm. like there's any of his writing. It looks like just maybe writing about, about the films. I'm kind of thinking maybe like the Bruce Lee set. I don't know if you uh, yeah. got yeah. that one, but that's another uh, special set. But yeah, and, and it's stacked. It's so much here. So you, you already mentioned Badass, but there's also a um, commentary on Badass with uh, father and son. And Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, like... I think that's the one that's probably ported over from the DVD yeah. for Badass. Um, yeah, which is fine. I, I did not... I haven't seen that, but... Uh, I, I think he talks about trying to finish Badass in one day less of filming than it took to shoot Sweet Sweet Bass Badass <laughs> things like that. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it, it's a creative generational um, um, output. You, you don't see that too often. And a, I'm curious what a, his father... I'm, I'm sure his father looks extremely proud. Um, uh, but yeah, there's uh, new conversations with Van Peebles um, and Elvis Mitchell... Uh, a lot looks like a few other interviews with other other players or other scholars, uh, pe- people probably who admire the film. We have commentary from Peebles, Van Peebles on uh, Sweetback, and I think that's the only that's the remaining commentaries. But then we we have the documentary as you mentioned, How to Eat Your Watermelon in White Company, which is a great name, <laughs> great <laughs> title uh, that just kind of like uh, just aims at the the center of that stereotype, you know. Um, and then uh, this might, yeah, the story behind Badass, The Birth of Black Cinema, this is probably what I've seen, and it's really exceptional. And, uh, yeah, then there's a whole bunch more. I mean, I'm not going to just list everything. Uh, so, uh, although one I, I, I'm really interested in is a French television interview with um, with him in 1968 uh, after the story of a three-day pass. And this, of course, is you know when his, he was just kind of creating a career for himself. I'm curious what the French uh, folks thought of uh, of his early work. Um, yeah, and we have inter- introductions, kind of like um, you know the way Scorsese introdu- introduces all his um, uh, films and and the WCP films. Um, but these are all from Van Peebles, so uh, or maybe like Renoir, like he does his. So yeah, I'm to the moon. <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> for this. Uh, Makes it almost difficult to move on. But uh, any last words about this uh, set before we uh, move to the last title of the month? Oh, just j- just buy it. Um, <laughs> just buy it. <laughs> anyone listening, just just get it. Trust me. Yeah. It's it looks like it's such a such value. Um, the best hundred bucks you'll spend, assuming it's a hundred bucks. But uh, and the last one is from a filmmaker I I adore, but it's one of the the biggest blind spots. Uh, I, I saw it was on the channel. This is of course uh, Visconti's The Damned. And I and I was tempted to watch it, but I thought, you know what, there might be a chance. So I just waited and uh, wanted to see it in this format, and I'm glad I did. So I'm uh, guessing you have seen this since you, yes. Pateau was the only one you haven't. So uh, what, what what can we expect? It's, um, I mean, if you know Visconti, it's it's probably going to give you a little bit of an idea what to expect. But this is this is quite a dark film in some ways it's sort of to me it feels like the precursor to a uh, Ludwig series especially working with uh, mm. Helmut Berger and uh, he's playing a character called Martin so I always have a spot, soft spot <laughs> for any time a film as a character with the same name as me but he's, he's uh, a pretty dark character and um, it's uh, yeah it's it's a pretty pretty heavy film but 
it's also sumptuous and kind of interesting in the way that it addresses history. And uh, uh, that, that's the thing I really like Visconti for, I, I think, also, is just how he visualizes history in certain ways. I'm sure John Lovinger is going to be excited. I know he did a big Visconti mm-hmm. series for uh, Film Baby Film a little while ago. But um, yeah, it's it's a weird mixture of... Uh, I think the, the Criterion description says it's like uh, garish decaying opulence or something like that in the, the scripture. I think that's probably a good way to describe it. It's a, like, you know, Nero fiddled while Rome burned kind of a movie. So yeah, it's uh, it, it should be interesting to see in Blu-ray now because it was not, I think like the, the previous version I had uh, was, was not the best quality. So this looks like quite a substantial upgrade. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm sure it's nothing like the film, but the, in the uniqueness, the way it looks at history, would you think of something like the Night Porter? In that, uh, yeah, it's it's probably comparable to that a little bit. I think yeah. uh, you know, if you like the Night Porter, you you might want to check this out, or especially like maybe some of the later Visconti stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know how familiar people would be, but uh, it's uh, it's a little more intense than uh, some of his earlier films. Yeah, I, quite a cast too. Dirk Bogard, uh, Ingrid Thielen yeah. from you know from Bergman fame, uh, Helmut Berger. Um, yeah, that, interesting. And the cover, boy. I, so the, the title is "The Damned." The cover is a man looks like eating a skull. I think I don't, I don't know. Ma- a, making out with the skull, or oh, making out <laughs> like okay. cl- oh. close to it. Yeah, and he's yeah. Got that, the, that might be his, more uh, fingernails painted. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see. Yeah. Now, um, quite an illustration. This is from George Pratt. So well done, uh, Mr. Pratt. Uh, yeah, so I, I can't can't wait. I haven't seen it, so I can't say much. But um, uh, yeah, it looks like um, some interesting uh, features as well. Uh, interview from Visconti, uh, interviews with the actors. Oh, Charlotte Rampling was in this as well. Uh, documentary, a behind the scenes documentary uh, from from the time, and uh, and new interview with uh, Stefano Albertini about the sexual politics of the film. So yeah, it is sounding more Night Porter-ish the more we talk about this. Uh, but uh, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, it's coming the same day as uh, the Van Peebles, so it probably will wait a little bit. But um, but either way, quite a month. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad glad you agree. I, this is It's been an interesting year for Criterion, but uh, I, I think this is probably the, the best month so far. Um, do you agree? Yeah, I, I think this is the best month all year. For me, at least, uh, yeah, just a whole bunch of winners looks like, and I know Throwdown I haven't seen yet, of course, but uh, I'm definitely intrigued. So I, I think I'm probably gonna pick all of these up, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I'll find some some shelf space. Yeah, and uh, I, I think a good place to leave this is it's also Spine uh, 1098, I believe, is the last one, and that's The Damned. So there's been talk, you know, they like to do. Uh, special spine numbers and um so if you don't mind martin i think i'll just get to like the big story <laughs> sure <laughs> so uh so there's some rumors about citizen kane all of a sudden um and i'll kind of run through them uh we we heard well first off there's an 80th anniversary tour which i bought tickets for uh not expecting <laughs> the amount of rumors that would uh follow um then there's another hint that uh well i, I believe um I think it was uh, Rosenbaum mentioned that he and James Naramore were recording a commentary <laughs> for Kane. So, hmm, wonder what that would have been for. <laughs> and 
then there's the the speculation. I've seen just random speculation about, uh, hey, what's going to be 1100? And then uh, other people have talked about 1101 uh, because it's, it was the first laser disc, so maybe that makes sense. Um, and but I think the most compelling case was made by uh, Christopher in our um, our Criterion Now group, and I'll just kind of walk through. Uh, he mentions the 80th anniversary. Uh, the fact that Warner Brothers hasn't announced anything yet, they all, they have uh, this tour out. Um, that he also says they've said they don't care about physical media anymore, so they're not going to spend money on do, doing it themselves. So why not license it out to um, Criterion? Uh, they have a good relationship. There's also the Spine 1100 falling at the same time of the anniversary. Uh, and then there's discussion about the Mark Cousins documentary that was, um, I think there was strong rumors that it would come on, out on Criterion. I think at the time they thought it would be tied to uh, the other side of the wind. Um, and who knows, it could be a box set for all we know. Um, could could be all those films and more. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I hope it's true. But um, what do you think? Are, is I, there I a think chance? it's a good bet. I, I think there's a strong chance, actually. And the... Um... I mean, the last Blu-ray for Citizen Kane's not bad, actually, and it has that big, long um, story behind Citizen Kane. I forget exactly what it's called, a documentary that comes with it. But I could see Criterion going all out with the Citizen Kane release and really piling on the special features. <laughs> and uh, More Wells is always good, and believe it or not, Citizen Kane's a really good movie, so <laughs> it would be you, exciting you to... <laughs> Yeah, Contrary to its reputation, it's it's definitely it's a uh, it's up there. So <laughs> I think people it's interesting. Uh, it's, it's probably the... uh... oh go sorry go ahead. Oh no, well uh, yeah no, I, I think it's it's likely that uh, you'll see Citizen came back in the Criterion Collection since it's been out since the Laserday discs. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of curious what other features could go with that. Just to, I mean add context or add something surprising I, I don't know maybe the um early wells film that was discovered uh too much johnson i don't know if that hmm. could get bundled with it too much johnson is that what it's called i forget now not something not johnson yeah <laughs> but uh you know i'm curious what what could get attached to a citizen kane release just to make it kind of jump out and feel like maybe the ultimate citizen kane blu-ray release yeah, well, there. I think every release has had the um, the Ebert commentary, which is actually very mm-hmm. good. Uh, I would recommend listening to that. Of course, the uh, Rosenbaum Nairmore. We'd love, love to see something about the um, photography, uh, the um, the deep focus. You know, and and, and mm-hmm. this this is one of those films that I don't know why. I, I like in social media. It seems like every other week some young buck likes to take it down and call it overrated or <laughs> like that it, it's just like the sacred cow that uh, people it's like a pinata people can't help but uh swinging at and, i actually um, thought it was maybe a relief when it didn't get number one for the last sight and sound poll where it was uh, usurped by vertigo i thought like oh you know now it doesn't have this burden to live up to for certain people who are going to be like <laughs> oh you know actually it's overrated because it's it's just a fantastic film it's really it is truly one of the greatest films ever made so it's agreed but you know, you call any film the greatest film ever, and that's that's a hard burden, I think, in some ways. So, um, yeah, yeah. And when I hear these, I, I want to you know just kind of shake people and say, hey, look for these <laughs> five five aspects of this film. Just look at the camera angles, or look at the lighting. And um, I mean, there's just it's so rich, and uh, mm-hmm. 
and, and, and even the way they they shoot the well the deep focus too like the i just can think of numerous scenes off the top of my head but um you know the way they uh tease the ending with that uh, that wonderful shot with him playing outside in the snow remember that yeah um, of course yeah fantastic film i can't I, i've seen it a, a number of times i saw it in film studies class uh you know film teachers like to teach it it's a pretty rich material um I think the th- the thing is it's the pacing. I personally I think I think it's moves very fast, you know. I think it's the way yeah. it's, it's structured around news on the march and you know the newsreels. I I think it's a very fast-paced film to me, but other people think it's very slow and I I think maybe it's cuz it's about an old newspaper man um and also just the balls it had you, well you got that bird to wake you up if it's feeling slow that you're going to have a <laughs> calling bird to pull you yeah. back into it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I can't wait for, I hope it's true. Um, if it's not mm-hmm. true, I'm probably going to go watch. I have the 75th anniversary version in the other room. I'll probably uh, throw that on as as a rewatch, but um, super excited. Um, hope hope everybody's right. Um, yeah, looking. hopefully it'll be a Wells October. Okay, well, we gushed about um, Van Peebles, uh, Orson Wells, so... Let's gush about Nathan Lane, of all things. Uh, so, so Nathan Lane did a, a closet video, and it was a longer one, but highly entertaining. Um, I, did you get a chance to watch it? Yeah, it, it's hilarious. <laughs> like when he's talking about Rafifi, how it sounds like a dog's name. <laughs> yeah, hear Rafifi, hear Rafifi, stop Rafifi. You also get to hear his uh, pitch for a being there musical, <laughs> which was making me crack up. <laughs> And I, I want to see that. I love being there. The movie, I, um, but um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think that. Um, well, I don't know. I was going to say I don't think Sellers would mind, but Sellers was actually kind of prickly. Might he might have minded, but um, but why not? Let's make it. Let's <laughs> just let him it. roll in his grave. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I watched. Uh, there was a, a documentary about uh, Peter Sellers uh, recently that was uh, pretty interesting. I was. God, it was about a guy who thought that Peter Sellers ruined his pirate film. Um, yeah, it's really it good. Sounds entirely possible. I don't know if I've seen like a real documentary about Peter Sellers, but I've seen the biopic uh, with uh, Jeffrey Rush. And um, I don't know, just from what I've heard, Peter Sellers, I, I think prickly could be an understatement. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, I have to look that up. A lot of people probably have seen it, but um, but the the guy had a case that uh, that that Sellers had ruined his film, and and actually it was kind of sad for the director because he had some other mm-hmm. tragedies. And um, but it's somebody we I, I know or we know he's made notable films. So um, so anyway, yeah, Nathan Lane, super entertaining. Um, I don't believe he's in the anything in the collection, is he? I mean, he's in the Birdcage, which is a remake of Casual Fo- uh, yeah. Casual Follies, yeah. And, and um, he mentions Elaine May too. Uh, yeah, he had not seen Mikey and Nikki, which is interesting. Uh, so it, definitely not um, not Lacage Fall, but um, or Fall A, but quite a movie. Yeah. So um, yeah, a, a enjoyable watch. So let's. I, I think mostly what we're going to talk about today is stuff that's rumored because there's just a lot of that. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it's notable to talk about the recent releases and what's coming out. Um, so we have the human condition, which you mentioned, uh, Streetwise Tiny, uh, Nightmare Alley, and Flowers of Shanghai. Um, of these, which would you uh, recommend? Uh, Flowers of Shanghai, definitely. I I bought that one right away, and 
even like looking on my crummy old DVD, it was a gorgeous film. So I'm sure on Blu-ray, it just arrived. So it's, I'm sure going to look much, much better than <laughs> how, I, how I've seen it before. And it's a really, it's, it's a slower film, but really kind of engrossing. And I think people would definitely want to see that. Yeah, I watched it. Uh, so, and it is, I guess it's slow. Again, it did not seem slow to me, but I know Hu Xiaoxian, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of he. He's not. He's not. Well, not, not. I mean, a, what was funny? Like, I I like Hu Xiaoxian films. Uh, Flowers of Shanghai might actually be my favorite thing that he's done. But when the um, the assassin came out, I remember I was a little bit disappointed with that one yeah. because it was sort of like, oh, he's he's working in this genre and kind of comparing it to some of the other things that have been done in that genre. I've, I've left a little bit disappointed, but. When I was trying to tell people this, everyone assumed it was the pace. They're like, oh, well, you just have to understand it's like slow. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I get it. I get it. It's, it's the, this particular film I had an issue with. But Yeah, there are yeah. other criticisms than, than pace. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't like the, the criticism of pace. But yeah, I um, uh, I will share that I've, uh, I, I've been busy with work. So what I did is I carved out um, two extra days around a Friday, uh, around a weekend. So a Friday to Monday. And I purposely did nothing but watch movies like almost oh. entirely. And so <laughs> it I sounds got, like a dream. Yeah. It was great. I highly recommend it. And so I got caught up on like uh, all my criterions almost. I mean, I, I finished the Fellini set. I'm almost finished with the Wong Kar oh, Wai wow. set. Uh, and actually I'll, today I'll finish with the WCP3 uh, set. Um, so I, I've seen all these except for Human Condition. I think I'd need another staycation. You, you would need another, <laughs> you'd need a weekend for that. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's one that's been high on my list. Um, way overdue to see it. Um, so yeah, Nightmare Alley is super special too. Uh, it's mm-hmm. really like unlikely noir, uh, carnival noir, um, but it's so, so effective. And um, uh, all of these are, are great releases. Street Streetwise is really good too. I kind of hated the um, the tiny movie. That was the I, I don't know if you've seen those. I, I shouldn't say hated, but I, I just kind of thought it was pointless. Um, I, I don't know. I, I appreciated more the documentaries about um, you know the the people that had been involved. But um, but Streetwise is really good. And then uh, we talked about black filmmakers. Uh, you know, the, coming soon we have the signifying works of Mar- Marlon Riggs. And that's right. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Uh, Visions of Eight. Uh, which is the um, Olympics film, and Pariah, D. Rees, and then Pick Up on South Street. Uh, so mixed bag there, but all um, pretty exciting. Any, any that stick out for you? Uh, I'm kind of curious about Visions of Eight, just for the Kondichikawa and Milos Forman contributions, and I, there's a couple other filmmakers there, just to kind of see what's going on with that. Um like, I'm not somebody who's interested at all in the Olympics, but, like, Tokyo Olympiad is probably one of the best films I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, the filmmaker's approach to the subject that kind of makes it interesting. So I, I'd be curious to see that. Um, I mean, Pick Up on South Street's a great, great classic film, so I might be tempted to get that one, too, at some point. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's interesting bunch. Yeah, I love Pick Up, and I, I love Thelma yeah. Ritter in that, in that film. She's great. Um, yeah, yeah. But... Um, yeah, T. Rees, uh, Pariah, I, I actually don't think I've seen it. Um, and she also made Mudbound, which it, mm-hmm. in an article about Pariah, they said that's coming to the collection too. So, um, yeah, uh, very interesting. And and Mudbound is one I wanted to see. The problem with Netflix is things just stay in the queue. You know it's going to be there, so you just don't <laughs> watch it. So so I had so now I have, have to watch it, um, Mudbound, uh, or 
not now, but when it when it comes out. Uh, Visions Eight is a, a exceptional Olympic film. Um, I, I do get into the Olympics. I, I know we're about to have have one, uh, which is weird. In it, so. <laughs> <laughs> but Visions of Eight is probably the more altruistic uh, uh, portrayal of the uh, Olympics. Uh, yeah, and it actually makes sense for a standalone, um, as does uh, Olympia and Tokyo Olympiad. Um, so yeah, good stuff coming out. And um, okay, well, I guess I'll get to the, the rumors now. Uh, well, actually, before I do, uh, there's also uh, Distant Journey is coming out, uh, right? And yeah. we've talked about it before. Yes, you're you're pretty much the person I know that knows more about Czech film than anybody. So, um, anything? I'm I'm sure you've seen it, right? Uh, of course. I, I mean, the previous DVD, like some of the other films I've been mentioning, was not the best. But yet, that facets. DVD released from, gosh, it's it must be over a decade old now. But it's, um, I mean, it's a significant film. I, I think one of the most noteworthy things about it is that it was one of the first films to address the Holocaust. Hmm. So it's, um, if you're interested in that aspect of history, it's uh, it's quite early on. I think it was maybe 1949 that was made, and it uh, just for a European film to kind of address that subject and start looking at an mm-hmm. uncomfortable period in history it's it's early and important as far as that goes but uh, it's a good film it's it's a hard watch but it's it's you know significant film you know martin um check films are not always easy watches that's one thing I, <laughs> I, but they're, I they're often so good uh that the one thing i i don't know i think i shared this with you i was going to be in prague last year uh right yeah you know, just Which, like everybody of course yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll be there someday but um and i was going to be in uh, krakow poland as well and was going to go to um, mm-hmm. auschwitz but um right which yeah not exactly light but um but anyway so I, i'll get to have that experience through this film um yeah I, well, we watched the cremator last year um I love that dark. movie yeah uh, isn't it amazing <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I, it's amazing yeah one day I want to ask your top ten Czech films, but I, oh, that I that would film. be tough. But like Herzinski, like <laughs> it's such an interesting kind of going against type because he usually plays these sort of nicer characters, and he's so twisted in that. And it's it's a really yeah. compelling kind of examination of how somebody turns on their own family and gets sort of indoctrinated mm-hmm. in these uh, evil beliefs. But a brilliant film, yeah. Talk about degradation of the human soul. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a good yeah. one. Uh, so yeah, uh, Distant Journey is on is touring with Janice Films. So I would expect uh, probably it'll be announced maybe the next month or two. Hopefully, um, mm-hmm. I, I guess a, a story of a three day pass was also toured um, a couple months ago. So you know that seems to be the time frame they're on. Um, there's some other rumors. Uh, well, one thing that's interesting is uh, Blood for Dracula, which is an early uh, spine for Criterion. Uh, the 4K yeah. version is is going to Severn Films, so uh, probably not coming back to Criterion that one. Uh, but um, I'm glad it's coming back out. I actually that's another one I have not watched. Um, it's a very early DVD. I think it's yeah, little cure. Uh, yeah. Oh, that yeah, that's uh, Flesh for Frankenstein and Left for Dracula. I think they were like back to back spine numbers, and the, those were early on release. They still had like the old logo for <laughs> Criterion Collection on them. Right, right, yeah, very old, old logo. Um, so, yeah. And so because of, of this being announced, uh, Severin had been asked about Flesh for Frankenstein, and uh, they mentioned, oh, sorry, we know that it's 
it's getting a 4K restoration, but it's coming out from an, another label. So, um, I mean, I, I guess that could be Arrow, could could be Criterion. Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows? It, they did not say 4K release; they said 4K restoration. So, yeah, who knows? But which I, I really you... love films like this coming out in 4K. I just bought a 4K player. Um, maybe two or three months ago, something like that. So I'm getting excited to jump into all these 4K films. And it's not really the new stuff that I want to see in 4K. It's like, oh, they're coming out with David Lynch's Dune in 4K. And I just bought... Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, like um, Santa Sangre, I think Severin also put out in 4K, which I, I had just arrived. And films like that, I'm really excited to see. So like Blood of Dracula, Blood for Dracula in 4K, That's that's really exciting to me. And... Hello, it's Aaron from the editing room. Uh, just letting you know that after this episode was recorded, we learned that this was confirmed to be vinegar syndrome. So, looks like we have both Paul Morrissey's available in the U.S. Back to Martin. I know. What, how do you feel about Criterion not jumping into 4K? Because I feel like a lot of these other boutique labels, like Arrow, like Vinegar Syndrome, Severn, are moving into 4K now with not. I don't know if it's because Criterion wants to be able to release everything for the whole month in 4K or, you know, because these other labels, they tend to pick one or two sort of select films per month or not even just to release in 4K. But I I don't know. I, I feel like some of the Criterion releases, I've been deterred knowing that there's maybe a 4K released in Europe or available from some other place. Yeah, I, th- I think they're probably going to have to jump in. The one thing is they've always been a little slow to uh, mm. with new technologies. I mean, they, I mean, they, you know, they came out with laser discs and then took a while to get to DVDs and then took. They're pretty late on Blu-rays as well. Uh, you know, if if the Kane rumor is true, you know that that seems like that could work. That great. might be a perfect one to jump into yeah. 4K with. I mean, that would set it apart and feel like something special and. And and I, I don't know if you saw, but the um, the screening I'm going to is IMAX, so that's got to be a pretty oh, wow. amazing print. Uh, I know, yeah. uh, Citizen Which, Kane on IMAX. I mean, I Citizen just... Kane, it's had. Um, I mean, it, it's looked great in past releases, but I know like there were print. It, it has taken work to kind of make it presentable in in its current condition, so it's. Um... There there were technical issues with getting that, but I, I think it would look amazing on a 4K home video release yeah I, I think that would be a perfect one to sort of kick that off with yeah the one thing is they they they, they keep they split up their releases so that they have the mm-hmm. dvd blu-ray and i don't know if we didn't talk about it but mona lisa didn't get a dvd upgrade they just got the blu-ray upgrade so i i don't know if they are ready to include two discs although you know they do that all the time though they did I mean, dual, I, dual format so i know yeah. this is controversial but i i was a fan of the dual format era like i, I, I liked too. actually having both sets and then it's sort of too bad there, there seemed to be a lot of pushback against that but yeah and i think uh, i think just they lost some dvd sales so mm-hmm. because people a lot of people well we saw nathan lane i don't know if you noticed everything anyone is dvd so if he can't uh, yeah. uh transition to 4k or to blu-ray or 4k yeah. now and, um you know and not every release makes sense in 4k or even blu-ray like i mean there's some films like hoop dreams where when they came out with the upgrade i said i'll i'll get it in dvd sort of knowing how it was shot and things like that so it's that super eight or 16 i forget but it's uh video 
I, I think oh, hoop oh, dreams wow. or okay. um, you know there's a couple like the um, I mean I think the Marlon Riggs set a lot of those are video shorts so I'm not sure how it would look like there might not be a huge difference between the DVD and Blu-ray presentation so like it might be a case-by-case -case sort of situation but uh, yeah I think so um, yeah the, the one thing is you can fit more on a disc so it's yeah <laughs> so, yeah that... Anyway, okay, well, there's also, um, so there, there's a podcast called The Dead Pixel. I, I, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but I, I don't know that one. Uh, but they they revealed that Blast of Silence, there, there's an upgrade that's being worked on. So uh, as it turns out, I'm taking a noir class that actually starts tomorrow. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And this is on the syllabus, so towards the end of the uh, the class. Although I think that's in September, so yeah, I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, have you seen Blast of Silence? Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's a perfect one to upgrade. I think, I mean, that would be a sort of simple upgrade, I think, where they could just add the new transfer and throw out basically the same release. Because uh, it's not, that was kind of right at the end of when they were doing DVD-only releases, right? Yeah. Sort I, of right think... before that. I think, like, I, I remember picking it up around the same time that I was getting stuff like The Naked Prey and Walker and that mm -hmm. bunch that was sort of right before they had uh, blu-ray releases but yeah that yeah like that's a 2007 film, so. 2008 yeah. ish that that, that, that seems yeah. right something like that so that that would be a great uh pick to upgrade eventually like i i would hope that pretty much everything they can they would have a blu-ray release for but uh some stuff seems destined to get left in the dust <laughs> but oh yeah well yeah. That, i think sometimes they don't get the rights back um, yeah yeah and there's also, and I, don't, I hadn't, didn't even, I hadn't even heard of this film, but there's um, um, Ashley Clark actually revealed that um, a, a movie called, I believe it's pronounced Iamof, or maybe Iamofe, I don't know. The, I guess the English title is "This Is My Desire," is uh, has been acquired by Janice and uh, will join the uh, the channel and the um, collection, which is cool. That I think it's, actually, uh, it's a Nigerian was, film, right? Like I, is it? it was sort okay. of doing the festival rounds maybe a couple months ago. Um, so I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I heard it kind of compared to, it's like Robert Altman's shortcuts set in Lagos, maybe. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I think that's, if it's the film I'm thinking of, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it's supposed to be like. I, I That's a nice pitch. I, I think that's a... <laughs> Yeah, just the, the in his tweet, uh, he uh, and I'll put that in the show notes. He, he has some stills from the film that look uh, pretty, pretty um, uh, crisp, and I, I like the fact that uh, Janice is uh, you know distributing new films and um, and curating new films for the uh, the channel. And I love that Ashley Clark is working for them. That's uh, he, I think we're seeing some some. I, frankly, I think I wonder. I think the Man People set might have been from uh, Ashley. So yeah, good stuff. Um, Really, the last bit of news is um, there had been speculation about a Ray set, um, that Ijit Ray, yeah, uh, yeah. because of his 100th birthday, and just because Criterion has um, license, I think they have the rights to the majority of his filmography, uh, maybe, maybe even all of it. Uh, but uh, somebody in a Facebook group um, reached out to John Mulvaney or somebody at Criterion, and they confirmed it's not happening, so... Um, so we might get Citizen Kane, but we won't, probably won't get any more uh, Ray. Um, which is, I, it's fine. <laughs> I guess. Okay. I mean, enough of his films. Like you already have the Apu trilogy out in a box set, and the music. Like I, I feel like a lot of the major films are already available. So I, I don't know if that might 
of the box that might be seen as cutting into some of those. But I mean, they, they yeah, kind of did that with could... the Bergman set, so I I don't know. And but... Fellini, yeah, yeah, like the the Bergman well, set. That was one thing that kind of kept me from buying it. Was like ah, I already kind of have like scenes from a marriage and seven uh, seal and I'm like eh, eh, I tucked myself out of it because <laughs> I already had a couple of those so I I don't know if that might have something to do with it but um, I don't I mean Satyajit Ray like again brilliant brilliant filmmaker I, I think he would have warranted one of those big big box sets and he has a quite a large filmography too so he does, yeah very large yeah. But there's I mean, others, uh, Divi I mean, and uh, yeah. Chess of the Wind. That, um, there's some interesting films that aren't on the collection. And there's the uh, the Eclipse, his late uh, late films, yeah. which are really spectacular. That I think uh, would look good on blue. Mm-hmm. Heart of the World, I think, would be a a good one. Um, yeah. Anyway, they can't make a hundred year box sets for every director. But, <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, but the jury's out. I'm, I'm sure we'll see more Ray in the collection someday. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I know there's a couple other high-profile ones that uh, that they could put out. Um, and, uh, Music Room, especially, is probably one of my favorites that he's mm-hmm. that I've seen by him. Uh, yeah, but no big, no big box set. Yeah, you're right, Charlotta. I mean, there's so many Ray in oh, the yeah, collection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there are already quite a few. The I think the Hero is another one. Um, Hero's good. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really good one. I think that's the most and, recent. Yeah, and I. I know, I, I've been trying to learn a little bit more about uh, cinema from India, and I, I think he was specifically Bengali, um, yeah. Satyajit Ray. But uh, like to me, it's been sort of this blind spot in in cinema that I I know it's this like giant thing in Indian cinema and very very depending on the culture and language. But I, I've been trying to learn more about it this past year. Yeah, I, I, there was. I can't remember if there was a rumor, but we talked about Bollywood uh, potentially yeah, coming yeah. to the collection. I think that would be very interesting. Classic. I, I think ho- we did Bollywood. talk about that last year. Yeah, the, a classic Bollywood set would be fantastic. There were a couple of yeah. these uh, like nineteen sixties Bollywood films. I mean, I I think that would be really interesting to come from Criterion also. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but at my day job, I, I work with an Indian team, and uh, they they're always recommending movies for me. And I, I when I say that I've um, you know when I mention all these Bengali films I've seen, right. they're like, like what? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, although they know some of the actors, there, there was one mm-hmm. that, uh, that died that was in, um, uh, Apu and, um, and he was a big star and, uh, and had been in Bollywood films and, and politics too. So, all right, well, that's, that's really all the news. There's again, a lot this month, but, um, uh, really exciting stuff. I think, you know, pain is the big thing. We'll see. Um, so let's uh, get to run out the show with short takes. Uh, so Martin, uh, you want to? Is there a criterion you've seen somewhat recently you can talk about? Sure, I've um, I've been on a giant monster movie kick lately, and uh, I guess because we're recording this right around Father's Day, I thought I'd mention uh, Son of Godzilla, which I just rewatched, and it's uh, it's probably not one of the highest regarded of the Showa era Godzilla films, but I still think it's it's a lot of fun. It's a very like lazy weekend kind of movie where you can sort of throw it on and chill and it's it's kind of fun watching um godzilla's son irritate godzilla <laughs> i you know and it's kind of cute when he like rides on godzilla's tail and there's a pretty good monster fight with the giant spider at the end and mm-hmm. it actually ends on sort of a haunting image when they're both freezing and there's sort of this subtext of uh climate change going on in the background humans causing climate change that has uh 
dire repercussions. But um, I don't know if if you have a father or if you have a kid, it, it might be a good film to kind of watch with them just to sort of chill out and have fun seeing monsters do monster things. I, I think of the like relationship between Godzilla and his son being very like Hank and Bobby Hill kind of a thing. <laughs> but it, to me, that's like the highlight of the film is seeing like Godzilla's son get on Godzilla's nerves. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love this film, and I, I we talked about it on, the, on that kaiju episode with, right, the, right. with Dave, and my wife loves this too, and, and I think this is, you know, she, she went on the, the Godzilla ride with me, and I think Son of Godzilla is the one she watched the most of any, um, and she just loved the little smoke rings he, he uh, shoots Oh my god, out. when he's trying to blast his uh, nuclear breath, and it just comes out these like little rings, <laughs> it's kind mm. of adorable. <laughs> yeah. And just the, yeah. his design, where it's kind of this like chipmunk cheek little godzilla thing it's it's yeah, sort of menzilla like it's um uh, i mean now today we've got baby yoda but it was sort of like the original baby yoda <laughs> so yeah. where it's it's ugly cute but baby babyzilla yeah no he, he's great and uh and and, and totally worthless too got just cost so much <laughs> so, um so yeah it, it, fathers can relate um children maybe can relate too but not as much as fathers i don't i don't think <laughs> Uh, well, mine is um, is a little more serious. It is uh, Wong Kar Wai's Happy Together, and uh, on, speaking of which, I'm I'm almost done with that set too. I have, have only um, to rewatch uh, in, in the Moon for Love and um, Twenty Forty Six. So um, yeah, uh, fun. It's fun to get through these sets. Uh, I think my favorites of are I think Chungking Express is kind of that one I always go back to, mm-hmm. and I, I had seen Happy Together. You know, probably I don't, in in the two thousands. Uh, but I, I think I saw some older DVD or Blu Ray that um, you know, and, and maybe I, I just wasn't ready. I, I think I think I liked it, but I didn't quite get it. Um, and this time, I was, I was pretty much blown away by it. I, I think this might be, a, if, if not my favorite one, Car Wai. It's it's near the top. Um, and uh, and I, one thing, I, I yeah, Chunking Express. This this is kind of the spiritual sequel to it. Yeah, and, um, I, I feel yeah. like it's kind of an unofficial trilogy, along with the In the Mood for Love. Or, I mean, yeah. all those films feel very much of a piece, but like the way it deals re- with relationships. And um, I don't, have you uh, have you? I don't know if there's any special feature where he talks about the editing of the film. I heard him talk a while ago about like the editing scheme for this being like based on the the like city layout of Buenos Aires or something like that. It was like this very intricate kind of abstract approach to how this film was edited. And I, I thought it was really fascinating at the time. I don't know if he talks about that anywhere there, but I don't it's... recall that, but yeah, uh, it is uh, yeah, the, the way he, the, the shooting style is very interesting. And, and also, you know, Buenos Aires, um, you know, like Hong Kong, you know, they, they really use the locations very, very uh, effectively. And, um, and I think there's some contrast, of course, Tony Leung is in both, mm-hmm. Um, and Leslie Chung, uh, you know, is, is almost kind of like the counter Fei Wong, and and I think that Fei Wong is super charming, but also super oblique, you know, impenetrable mm-hmm. kind of, and I think that's somewhat the case with uh, Chung, you know, the kind of just um, fanciful um, and uh, and difficult too, <laughs> maybe more difficult, but um, yeah, it's and it's a beautiful story too. I think um, great character pieces, and uh, and yeah. Uh, I, I did, not, did not think of those as a trilogy, but um, but yeah, in the mood for love, I think is a great um, 
romantic finale of um, of those yeah. stories. Twenty forty six is totally not part of that trilogy. It, it's <laughs> like technically a sequel, but it's also kind of completely its own thing. <laughs> so, it's very much its own thing. Yeah. It's out there. Uh, but yeah, I, I loved Happy Together. I, I know people there. There's been some controversy about his re-editing or, or not re-editing, yeah, but I, tweaking a little bit. Tweaking. I, think, I I was a little yeah, the, bit uh, cautious <laughs> when it comes to these re-edits. I I do want to see them, but I think the original versions are included as well, right? Uh, did no, I hear that no. Right? The, no, they no, aren't. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe not, I but, was uh, mistaken. Yeah. But I I think that was the thing that kind of kept me from ordering that set is. Like I, I still want to have the original versions. Mm-hmm. I, 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 frankly, I, I did. Oh, sorry, I did see that original uh, version, and um, it, yeah, it, it did not. <laughs> this is night and day. It looks so amazing. Uh, so I, I don't know what he did, what, what he tweaked with, but, I, yeah, I, I'm fine with it. It's, it's his to uh, do, and and there, I think there is the, um, the original version is on HBO Max. So if, if you, um, I don't know if they have that in Canada. But it's still available. And, uh, yeah, so that's it. That's the, the show. So we just have our pieces of flair to, to close out with. Uh, do you have a piece of flair, so something that's not Criterion that you're into? Yeah. Um, I guess this week I got a art book, Star Trek The Motion Picture Inside the Art and Visual Effects. I was like these big kind of coffee table making up books for movies, especially sort of science fiction movies or films that involve a lot of design and work. So, um I've been kind of very slowly going through that, and it feels a little bit like having a little art gallery on my table, uh, seeing how they uh, designed everything and made all the very intricate special effects. And I, I don't know. I I really like Star Trek: The Motion Picture. I think it doesn't have the best reputation amongst uh, Star Trek fans, but I think like, oh, you know, Wrath of Khan's a really good Star Trek movie, but Star Trek: The Motion Picture is a really good science fiction movie and uh it's like more in the vein of solaris or space odyssey 2001 than like star wars or something like that it's sort of slow and has all these really amazing images um so i've just had a really great time kind of going through that book and getting some insight into how that came together yeah i i I don't remember (laughs) i i saw it when i was younger actually I, I first time i saw it i was like deathly ill with the flu and uh, oh boy i got it and uh, on my birthday and i got it all the original star trek movies as a birthday present on vhs where like if you line up the spines it makes the spaceship but i remember mm-hmm. i just have this memory of being like high fever in and out of like consciousness watching this movie <laughs> on like a tiny little tv screen and it felt like the most enormous immersive thing i'd ever seen i, I think like if you're running a high fever, that's maybe the best time to watch Star Trek the motion picture. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, I also love those big coffee table books. And yeah. uh, I just got the uh, the Saul Bass one. Uh, the and, Oh, that the, that looks great. I've got a couple of these, like, uh, even sometimes for movies that I'm not the biggest fan of, I'll sometimes, like, go out and buy these art books just because I love seeing how they, how they were made and all the design work that goes into them. Yeah. Well, mine is actually not a not something I've seen yet. Well, although I've seen some of it, but uh, uh, there's this label in Australia called Imprint uh, that we talked about a little bit with mm-hmm. um, with the the Chasing Labels guys, uh, Andrew and Stephen, and I talked about the, some of their films on their podcast. And uh, they they just announced uh, it was a Friday. We're recording this on Saturday, so yes, yesterday, 
uh, they announced this magnificent box set with eight films with from uh, Zhang Emu and uh, Gong Li, which is an interesting pairing. Uh, they've they've done a number of films together, but um, you know, Red Sorghum is in there. Raise yeah. the Red Lantern. Uh, Red Sorghum is one of my favorite films, actually, and Raise the Red Lantern. Like these are some of the best films ever so they're, they're amazing and yeah so yeah. yeah it's it was not cheap um but i jumped on that it's a 2000 limited edition and frankly i don't Is think it, it's gonna uh, last um, imprint they, they usually do region free also right yeah usually and i have not heard of this is region free i mean i'm i, I have yeah. region b so i'm fine but um but expecting it will be and um and yeah, it, it, by, the, by the time this episode goes out, it might be gone uh, because yeah. they only did two thousand, and I I've just seen you know probably personally I've seen two three hundred people say they've ordered it. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't it's... sleep on this. I I think this this is something that people might want to grab. So yeah, as I told somebody else, this might be a thousand dollars on on eBay next year. So um, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching them. I, I won't put it on eBay for a thousand dollars, but. Uh, yeah, it's it is it's nice to see these special sets um, come out elsewhere, and Imprint is really making well their imprint on uh, physical media. So cheers to them! Nice to see a label from Australia uh, find success. So, all right, well that's all we got, um, uh, Martin. Where where can people find you nowadays on on the internets? Uh, best place to find me is over on my Twitter at moviekessler, and there I usually update all my upcoming projects or podcast appearances or uh, I don't know. Sometimes I just tweet about Godzilla movies. So <laughs> at movie Kessler is the best place to find me on Twitter. You're a good follow too. Uh, and <laughs> Thank I'm, you. <laughs> I'm a West five Oh five. You can catch the show at criterion cast. Uh, subscribe to the master feed. Uh, lots of good shows coming out these days. Josh's show, uh, the uh, criterion channel surfing. And of course, David Blakesley uh, with the Inside the Box and Reflections. Uh, feel free to join our Patreon. You get to hear the early episodes and uh, pee breaks, which uh, we had one today, a good one. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> great talking to you, Martin. Great talking to you too. Thank you for having me.